I love a good podcast, as you know, and I'm always happy to share resources for parents who are looking for creative, smart content that both entertains and offers enrichment for curious kids everywhere. So I'm happy to let you know about this awesome new show from the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, The Adventurous World of Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. The series explores themes that kids like ours love, like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and more. And episodes transport kids into iconic periods in history like Pythagoras's Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England. So cool. New episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a perfect length for those car rides, for meal times, for break times, and bedtimes. What I love about this show is that it's kind of like listening to a book on tape. The story is captivating and includes lots of problems listeners can try to solve. The voice actors are fantastic, and the math concepts are seamlessly weaved into the narrative. It's exactly the kind of show Ash would have loved a few years ago, especially during our homeschool years, because finding that perfect blend of entertaining and educating, it isn't always easy. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hey there, it's Debbie, and welcome to Playback Friday. I'm going back into the archives and re-releasing some of my favorite conversations from years ago every Friday. Unless you're a longtime listener of the show, there's a good chance you haven't heard this one yet. And even if you are, you just may get something completely different from listening to it this time around. Here you go and enjoy the show. I mean, also just stepping in and saying, I can see that you're not coping. And if you had to stay in that room with other people, just by you being very calm and mm-hmm. modeling and leading the child, the other parents, I'm going to judge you. They're going to think, wow, she just is so supportive of her child and mm-hmm. she's there for him no matter what's going mm-hmm. on. Welcome to the Till Parenting Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber, and today's episode features a conversation with Simone Davies. Simone is a Montessori teacher and parent educator who runs a Montessori playgroup in Amsterdam for babies, toddlers, and preschoolers up to four years old. She's also the founder of the Montessori Notebook, featuring free articles, downloads, and videos on the Montessori approach, as well as her virtual e-course, Setting Up Your Home Montessori Style. Simone also happens to be a dear friend and regular work buddy, and we meet up weekly to co-work over coffee. We often get into deep conversations about education, parenting, and our children. Simone has two teenagers. And I wanted to share one of our conversations with the Tilt Parenting audience. So in today's episode, Simone and I talk about a lot of different issues, but our focus is on emotionally supporting our children and ourselves in especially difficult situations. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I look forward to bringing more conversations with Simone to the podcast. To learn more about Tilt, the revolution for parents raising atypical kids, visit www.tiltparenting.com. Hey, Simone, thanks for coming over to my child's bedroom. I love it. I think this is awesome. I'm never going to forget coming over to Debbie's house. We're sitting on the floor in, in Asha's room and we're going to have fun. Just have a chat. 
One of the things I guess I learned about you when we first met is that you're a Montessori instructor, but much more than that. But I'm kind of new to the Montessori world, and some of our listeners might be too. So would you mind just kind of, I don't know, do you have like a two-minute spiel of what (laughs) Montessori is? Yeah, sure. Montessori is like an alternative education system. So instead of a teacher standing at the front of the classroom, instead you have materials laid out around the room in different subject areas and the children actually um, can choose for themselves what they want to work on. Um, So it's actually empowering children to learn because they're interested in something, not because the teacher says that this is what we need to learn. And so you're basically encouraging curiosity in kids and, yeah, empowering them to stick at things, concentrate, follow their own Um, development no one's the same and then you have mixed age groups usually in a classroom so the older kids can help the younger kids and the younger kids observing and watching the older kids so it amazingly works that it's not complete chaos actually (laughs) everyone's really busy working yet the freedom to choose is amazing because they actually want to learn then yeah yeah that's that's very cool and I think in kind of learning about the work that you're doing and I've learned more about Montessori through you and realize there's a lot of overlap, I feel like, in the ways that we're trying to raise Asher, especially because a lot of our focus is on developing kind of executive functioning skills and independence and doing things on his own that for Asher and for a lot of kids who are differently wired or approach things differently might be more challenging. So I, I'm really interested in that aspect of Montessori too. I know, I always think of little kids now like chopping vegetables and, you know, kind of working in the kitchen at a young age. And that's that's a big part of it, too, right? This kind of independently doing things. Yeah, totally. It's not like saying, oh, here you have to grow up and do everything yourself, like and take all the fun out of childhood. It's actually that they're so interested in doing it and working alongside and being part of the family. And um, yeah, like a toddler can cut apple and really proud that they made their own snack. And it's not forcing the child in to eat any apple. They want to sit down and eat the snack they just made. So it's just including them in daily life and all of those kind of mm-hmm. skills are so yeah. useful. And they have processes and steps. And so they can build concentration. They're learning a lot. Um, for a toddler they're actually getting fine motor skills from these kind of activities and and daily life so that's really cool I mean it's a lot of Montessori even if once you're moving to school age the materials that they use in the classroom are all concrete so you don't learn maths by someone writing on the blackboard you actually handle materials this is one this is ten this is a hundred this is a thousand and you can have a five-year-old who's doing sums like five thousand three hundred and sixty because they can just go and get five thousand blocks and add them to another if the sum's 1,000, they get a 1,000 block. They're mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, look, there's 6,000 there. And they concretely see that. It makes so much more sense than having to do everything abstractly. Mm-hmm. So this hands-on learning is such a big part. It's just not, yeah, passive yeah, learning. It's really like being involved. They often talk about in Montessori the hands connected to the brain, you know. So don't just passively learn things like through your brain. Actually touch things and mm-hmm. you'll learn it better. That's very cool. And something you said earlier too that jumped out at me is – This idea that it's one of the main foundations of how we're doing a school here and one of the main foundations of TILT is that every child is on their own timeline. And I think that's so important. And so that's another way I feel like Montessori, the principles behind that are so in alignment with what I think works for a lot of kids who are differently wired. 
Yeah, there's to be kids learn in so many different ways. Even my own two children, one's an observer and one has to really repeat and repeat and repeat to learn things. But observing is also a valid way to learn. And in a traditional classroom, that doesn't often work because they're not going to do your worksheet now. It's just like, well, actually, I'm just like taking it in. And I can see him then just write down and do it once. And then you have other kids who really like to practice and that kind of thing. You have, yeah, so many different ways of learning. And sometimes one kid is really fast at speaking and another child takes more is more busy with motor skills but they'll get on their yeah in their own timeline to the Mm -hmm. place that they need to be it's a hard thing for people to remember I think because there's so much pressure I I still do sometimes you know feeling a lot of pressure like oh you know we live in Amsterdam and kids are riding their bikes everywhere from a very young age and Asher's still on the back of my bike and he's 11 and I'm sure people are like what the hell is that big kid doing on the back of her bike but he's not ready yet and I'm always having to kind of remind myself, he's on his own timeline, he'll get there, he doesn't have to do it when everybody else is. And so I think that idea extends beyond academic, just kind of life in general for kids. Yeah, I think it's really difficult not to compare, but just to trust that your child knows what they're, that they will develop and they will develop beautifully as their own person. Each child is an individual. And I love that instead of just trying to get everyone to fit into the same hole. It's just actually, Mm -hmm. no, we're all different and you can have different strengths. And Well, I think kids also notice when their peers are doing things differently and it's kind of our responsibility to remind them too, that's fine, everyone's working at, at a different pace. I know when Asher was, you know, in kindergarten and first grade, he was, for someone who's not observant socially in some situations, he was very aware of kids who were better at writing, you know, the motor skill actually in their handwriting was much neater or kids who answered something more quickly like that was on his radar. And depending on how we went with that, that could have been a real source of frustration for him. And so I think it's important. That's a big responsibility parents have too, is to just always be reminding kids like, hey, there's no one way to learn this. We're all on our own timeline and not adding additional pressure because they are, a lot of them do kind of notice where they fit in among their peers. Yeah, it's one thing for us to drop the labels and another thing for them to drop their own labels. Yeah, yeah. Super interesting. So last week we met on a Thursday. Was it two Thursdays ago? Anyway, we meet most Thursdays for coffee and then we do some work together. Well, co-working, independently working, but keeping each other company. And we had a conversation that I thought was really interesting. And I, you mentioned that a parent um, at your Montessori, Montessori school had struggled because their child was having a really difficult moment. And you were talking about that balance between the parent and the child. And when the child's having a difficult time, what the parent can do in that place. And I wonder, could you kind of like, I'm probably totally botching this story. So could you recap the situation? Because I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, to be honest, I can't remember the specifics now of what happened. But what can happen very easily is a child starting to lose it. Perhaps he's snatched something off another child or something like this. And they just want it. They're saying, oh, I'd like to have a turn with that. But instead, the mum's kind of like intervening and getting more wound up and wanting the child to give it back. And then they're both getting stressed and it kind of often feeds this energy and both of them kind of start losing it. And we were just, I think, talking about in general how instead if a parent can just see what's the child's problem and what's what they can do just to support that child through it, it doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy, but they're guiding. And so you be this rock kind of there, you're supportive 
um, so they don't feel abandoned, but at the same time, you're not taking it on. So you're like, okay, how, what can I do to help him get through this difficult situation? Mm-hmm. Oh, it looks like that you'd like that toy. Yeah, I can see you'd really like that toy. And you can kind of maybe empathize with them and talk him through that. And sometimes that's enough. Or other times you're like, oh, it looks like he's crying. Does he need some help to calm down? Or do you want to get a tissue for him and kind of guiding him that way? So you're kind of like not solving the problem for him, but you're just standing there and helping and not taking over and letting them have their difficult moment, maybe calm, come to calm, and then they can make amends for what went wrong, those kind of things. But it's you were just talking about how to... You don't want to be like completely uncompassionate. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that, but being a rock, I think, is a really nice visual thing that you're so strong and steadfast for your child, but you're not emotionally getting reacted yourself. Yeah, that's the key, though, isn't it? It's something that I've had to learn over with a lot of practice. I've had a lot of opportunity to practice (laughs) not getting emotionally involved, but I think when you have a child whose reactions are considered bigger and a lot of differently wired kids whether you know they have ADHD or are on the spectrum or you know a really intense gifted kid or whatever they their reactions can be so much bigger to the point where it's inappropriate for the situation or you might be getting looks from other people and as a parent it can be so hard in those types of situations to not get emotionally involved it's it really triggers something and that's something i find so challenging do you have any stra- I, I mean i've seen you you're pretty calm and cool <laughs> I think um, kind of this, some people call it sports casting technique, you know, so like if you were a race kind of horse, sports cast, you'd be like, and this guy's in first and like kind of talking about what's happening in the race and then this guy's leading ahead and this kind of thing. So if you're commentating on what's happening, like, okay, Asher, I can see that you're kind of getting frustrated by that. And then you can come back down and you're just talking him through like what might be happening. I can see you're really like pulling that really hard. That's you really look really frustrated. And then you're actually just remaining quite calm mm-hmm. and this sports cast can sometimes give you a little bit of arms distance mm-hmm. I know some people just say breathe but it never it's kind of that's <laughs> always a great advice for later but some people are really good at just like managing to take some breaths and actually the kids sometimes can hear you taking breaths and that can give them it's great awesome. modeling yeah absolutely. <laughs> it's also really useful I think it's just also a whole lot of practice as well it's mm-hmm. kind of like okay that went wrong and I'm going to apologize because that went wrong and next time you know how can I see this off better often things like preparation is like a whole lot of it like there's no point going to a doctor surgery and expecting a toddler to wait patiently it's just like have your snacks and a little bag ready if you need to pull out Mm -hmm. a car or something to play with and those kind of things so you never get to the point we'll be right back after this quick break this year i've been working on becoming more attuned to my body and so i'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. 
They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people in our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. If you listen to this show, you probably know that at least one in five children is differently wired. But did you know that approximately one in two women will experience hair thinning? If you're part of that 50%, you are absolutely not alone. But because hair thinning for women isn't something people openly talk about, going through it can feel lonely and frustrating. So why not do something about it with Nutrafol? Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Everyone's root causes of hair thinning are different, so a one-size-fits-all approach to hair growth isn't going to cut it. Nutrafol has multiple formulas tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow throughout different stages, postpartum, menopause, even for different lifestyles like a plant-based diet. To get your personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes, you can take a simple hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com. And because there's no prescription required, you can quickly get set up online with free shipping and automated deliveries, which make it so much easier to stick with your new hair care routine. See results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code TILT. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code TILT. That's Nutrafol.com promo code TILT. But also I think sometimes it's stepping in before the situation's got so out of control. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I think we're like, okay, um, I'm going to be laid back and just let them kind of keep following them. But actually they need guidelines sometimes and some limits. So if a child's playing with water and that's making you feel uncomfortable, you should step in when it's making you feel uncomfortable and not when it's got so far. Okay, now there's so much water everywhere and it's Mm -hmm. got too far. So you've kind of also been triggered. So instead I would come up and say, oh, I see you really want to put the water all over the floor like the water's for pouring do you want to pour it into the vase or are you done with the water and then having to put the limit that maybe the water's finished for the day would then mean that you never got to the space where you got so out of your Mm -hmm, comfort zone mm -hmm. I mean sometimes if your child is already melting down and it's not something to do with you then you can step in sometimes quite calmly Mm -hmm. because it's their situation realizing it's their problem Mm -hmm. and leaving it there it's a big thing to practice but it really pays off it's a huge thing yeah it's it's definitely something we work on a lot it's something my husband needs a lot of reminders for and and I think I get more practice because I'm home with Asher every day and we're homeschooling and I spend a lot of time working on these things but I think what you said is really key like recognizing that it actually has nothing to do with us. And that is huge because if we are having such a strong emotional reaction, it's because of something we're telling ourselves about the situation, whether it's this shouldn't be happening right now. My child's behavior is out of control. It's not okay. People are going to think I'm a terrible parent. I don't deserve to be spoken to this way. Like any of those things are thoughts that are going to make you feel worse, right? If our thinking 
controls our emotions. And so that's something I work on too, is just reminding myself, this has nothing to do with me. This only has something to do with Asher in this moment, not having the skills he needs to cope with his intensity. But it can be really hard to not get sucked in. Yeah, I mean, also, if you are in a social situation, it's like, and you're, I think sometimes just to remove yourself from that social situation, so you can feel safe mm-hmm. to just be with them as they go through their, yeah, very emotional roller coaster. Sometimes it's like they start with like, real anger because they're frustrated at the situation and then they go through sadness and then Mm -hmm. like it's um grief and it can be a 40 minute process or something (laughs) and if you can just at least be somewhere away from other sides i mean also just stepping in and saying i can see that you're not coping and if you had to stay in that room with other people just by you being very calm and Mm -hmm. modeling and leading the child the other parents i'm going to judge you they're going to think wow she just is so supportive of her child and Mm -hmm. she's there for him no matter what going mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. yeah so i think we've got to lose the worry about the other parents but actually if you want to model great parenting for them like just be that <laughs> really like i've got this under control and i'm gonna yeah some people like to use the idea the analogy of like a captain and i find captain a tricky one but at least if you think about it if you were on a ship and something went down like you'd want the captain to step in and take control they're not going to get flapped or things like that so if you can just be this like really okay i know exactly what i'm going to do i'm just going to stand here and hold you and keep you safe while Mm -hmm. you're melting down Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah we can solve the problem together that could be a useful thing for people to visualize well i like that and i like the idea of have you know having a plan i think is really important to know like you said kind of no understanding what the situations are where that child could get triggered or could get upset and then also knowing what your plan is i loved going back to something you mentioned earlier i actually love that sports caster i'm going to use that Breathing has worked for me at different times. And in fact, Margaret Webb, who I'll be having on this podcast at another time, um, really helped me learn a specific breathing strategy that made an instant difference in the kind of moment, you know, helping me calm down. And I've certainly found that if I can be that rock, it really uh, just turns down the volume on Asher's reaction right away. But it has to be from a genuine place. I can't be faking being a rock. Like, I have to be the rock. I have to believe I'm the rock. And uh, if I can stay in that place, he will often come back down to my level. So the key is making sure that I don't. And I like that. When you you were saying uh, noticing when you're starting to get elevated, I thought you were talking about noticing the child's energy, which is something I think a lot of parents who have kids that react more intensely, we are reminded to always recognize when they're about to blow because once they've blown forget about it you're in damage control there's you know but so we're always trying to watch oh they're creeping up into the yellow zone and we're getting near the red zone let's figure see if we can stop this from happening so i like that you talked about that idea but really it's about yourself too and that is a great way to model it for your kids who are learning how to recognize when they're about to lose it. Yeah. Very cool. I'm also playing around with it myself. Um, nothing to do with my Montessori training or anything, but also meditating. Um, I've been probably meditating for over a year and then I'm just finding like this silence and just l- practicing at neutral moments. Like I'm cycling through the park and I'm just feeling a little bit agitated. And so I'm going to practice kind of getting a, that little bit of drop of peace that I had this morning and practice now. And so practice when actually times are quite easy and Mm -hmm. then in more difficult situations maybe then you're like 
oh, I'm going to try and see if I can bring that little dropper piece back and I'm Mm -hmm. getting agitated. And that can also be really calming. So earlier you mentioned the word empathy and practicing empathy with our child. So can you say just a little bit more about that, how that can help diffuse a situation? Yeah, totally. I don't know. It's what how you interact with even adults. And I find it's just so nice if a friend, and like you've just ex- explained, you've had a really difficult day. And if they just say, oh, that sounds like it was really difficult. I feel like I'm heard instead of just rushing in to solve the problem, give advice or tell deny my feelings like oh you shouldn't worry about that this happens all the time you know so it's just really being heard and so it's practicing the same thing with your child it's like oh I see that you really wanted that toy if it was something that they're struggling with when they really want to take something off someone else or it's like oh um that fell on the ground and they Mm -hmm. completely lost it you know it's Mm -hmm. just like oh they didn't work out the same the way that you expected Mm -hmm. or a kid falls over and instead of saying oh don't worry about it it's fine you can just say ow that was a shock and it really hurt and just allowing them to have big ugly emotions it's like you're really full of rage right now Mm -hmm. i mean just accepting not yeah those big ugly feelings instead of saying trying to push them away Because I think if anyone's tried to lean into an ugly feeling, it goes away quicker if you just lean into it and let it go. Mm -hmm. And um, it's allowing those feelings and just empathizing with them. We'll be right back after this quick break. I'm on the road this month and oh man, am I missing my sweet kitties, Haskell and Lua. They've been a part of our family for more than two years and I'm so grateful they're keeping Darren such good company while I'm away. If you're getting a new pet soon, you're probably already thinking about everything you'll need to buy. Food, toys, a cozy bed, doggy bags or litter boxes. Something you may not be thinking about, though, is pet insurance. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are, because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim, and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com parenting. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. So in our house these days, Darren and I have been working together to up-level our nutrition and healthy lifestyle habits. Maybe it's our age, our changing bodies, my shifting hormones, whatever the reason, I'm here for it. And that's why I'm loving Green Chef, a meal company that makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Green Chef offers gut-friendly recipes each week and is committed to providing a holistic approach to nutrition by offering meals that contribute to the overall well-being of your entire body. Darren and I are particularly big fans of their nutrient-dense, science-backed gut and brain health recipes, developed in partnership with registered dietitians that improve digestion, reduce bloat, and also boost energy and immunity. This week's favorites, turkey, black bean, and sweet potato chili, and the Baja chicken bowls with mango salsa. I mean, don't those sound delicious? 
But if that's not your thing, you can choose from a variety of customized meals to suit your lifestyles with preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, gluten-free, and protein-packed. Whatever you choose, you'll get farm-fresh ingredients, organic whole fruits and veggies, and premium proteins, along with chef-crafted, nutritionist-approved recipes delivered straight to your door. Go to greenchef.com slash 60tilt and use code 60tilt to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's 60% off plus 20% off your next two months when you use the code 60tilt at greenchef.com slash 60tilt. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Yeah, empathy can sound like, oh, is it that you feel frustrated about that? Or it could be, you know, trying to put a a name on those feelings. Just put yourself in their shoes and see what it Mm -hmm. might feel like. Or just, oh, wow, you must have been really disappointed. Yeah. And then if you get the feeling wrong, it's okay too, because they might go, oh, no, I wasn't disappointed. I kind of was just like, it wasn't what I was expecting. And then it just helps them clarify their feelings. Mm -hmm. I don't think they often get angry if you get it wrong. It's just like you're kind of questioning it. Yeah. And you're also respecting their right almost to have an emotional response. I mean, I think I grew up, I don't think, I know I grew up in a household where anger was an emotion that wasn't okay to exhibit, at least not on my part. And so I think, and I think a lot of people grow grow up that way, that anger and those really big emotions, frustration, anger can make people feel uncomfortable. And us as parents, when we see our child exhibiting those, it makes, it triggers that same uncomfortableness in us. But that is something, that strategy of just recognizing it. You are really upset right now. You're really, I can tell you're really sad about this. Or I started doing that with Asher a number of years ago. And I think it was Ross Green's book, The Explosive Child. That's one of the strategies that he talks about. And it really was amazing how it could stop a meltdown or kind of just almost jolt Asher out of it just by recognizing and acknowledging their experience. So I think that's a great reminder that empathy and yes, you're right. It's something we can all practice with everyone in our lives. (laughs) (laughs) So um, before we wrap up, just this idea, and you said something earlier about this, so maybe you could talk more about this idea of making amends and circling back after the fact. Can you say more about that? Yeah, I think it's really important because I think um, some people have preconceived ideas that Montessori is about letting the children do whatever they like. So does that mean that they can go and do something wrong to somebody else and then not take responsibility for it? It's actually not what Montessori is about. It's actually really teaching kids to take responsibility as well. So when they're in rage, there's no rationale saying, oh, it's not okay to do this. They're not hearing you. They just Mm -hmm. cannot even hear. But when you have helped them calm down, then that's when it's time to make amends and it's helping them find a way that is okay. Like the, they take responsibility for what they've done. Mm-hmm. So I have a story if you'd like it. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> so my son was a little bit upset because he was feeling left out because um, my daughter had a friend sleep over. So he set the alarm to go off at four o'clock in the morning in oh their my. room. And so they were furious in the morning, <laughs> like, oh, man, it's not okay. And um, <laughs> so I walked into this rageful room and said, what's going on? And I understood the situation and I said, okay, so... 
they're really upset and you see that you've done the wrong thing and like how can you make it up to the girls and they ended up deciding that he was going to cook them breakfast and he ended up making them french toast and he was really proud of himself (laughs) and so it's about making amends I didn't have to come in and say okay well you're never having a friend over and you're grounded because that would be like a punishment and he would then hate me for it and it's not saying oh don't worry about it girls you know it's just sleep it's actually saying that was really not okay but let's find a way that you can make it up to them. And like the next time that she came to sleep over, I kind of said, Oliver, the alarm. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. So he's also <laughs> learned from it. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's my story I like to tell for making amends. I love that. That's great. We call those uh, restitutions here. We, that was a big part of our life for about a year and a half. If something happened, yeah, we're, we're not big into punishment because just don't seem to be very effective. But restitution is, yeah, taking responsibility. And um, so maybe a restitution here would be Asher helping me straighten up my room or make my bed with me or something, some way to kind of acknowledge and make amends for something that you did, but in a way that feels good for everybody. That's a great reminder. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for being one of my very first guests on the Tilt podcast. And I hope that you will come back again and we'll do this again on the floor of my son's bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tilt Parenting Podcast. To learn more about Simone and her awesome resource, The Montessori Notebook, visit her online at www.themontessorinotebook.com. And I'll include a link for Simone's website, as well as all the resources we mentioned in our conversation on the show notes for this episode, which you'll find at tiltparenting.com slash session eight. For more information on all the podcast episodes, visit tiltparenting.com slash podcast. If you're enjoying the Tilt Parenting Podcast, we encourage you to subscribe over on iTunes, as well as leave an honest review if you have the time. That really helps us get more visibility so more parents can become aware of Tilt. Lastly, for more information on Tilt, the revolution for parents raising differently wired kids, and to sign up to be a part of the community, visit www.tiltparenting.com. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.